music first thing on a Sunday morning, except <laughs> it might not be Sunday for everybody, but I don't care. That's when we're recording. Yes. Um, hello. Or, ooh, I've been wanting to try this out. Hi. You know, like Ross from Friends. Hi. Are you trying out for like a, another secondary job during the holidays? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need the money. Okay. Don't we all? And we're going to talk about <laughs> money today too. Honey. Money, honey. Money, honey. We're going to talk about money. All the things we're going to talk about. We've been asking people to, to give us their questions about friendship. And we've gotten some interesting questions. Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. I'll hit you. So... First question we got, uh, because, you know, <laughs> we're experts. Oh, my God. Yes. I have a PhD in life. <laughs> I, have exactly. a food, I have a food in life. Well, we can preface this by saying we have mm, over two decades of friendship here. We's old. We is so old. And we have been through a lot together. We have had falling outs, falling ins. You know, we've had we hops, hopscotched <laughs> all, all around the friendship. We have shared friends. We have seen, we have seen all the things. And yes. so I think there's an authenticity and honesty that we can bring to this conversation. We've even kissed the same boys. <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> Scandal. I cannot believe you just. I said it. Out. I did it. All right. Yeah, I'm not taking it back. We kissed. Some, <laughs> we did kiss some of the same boys. We did. I, get, I found this picture last night since we're talking about friendship. I'm going through paperwork. Look what I found. Oh my God. <laughs> this is Why Amy's. I... Amy's se- is this your senior year high school photo? Yes. You gave it to me. What was I thinking? I was probably just trying to get rid of it because I have so many of them. <laughs> you were like, I'm your friend forever. So I'm giving you my senior high school photo. So when I get famous, you can like tell people you knew me one. Oh, when I see you next, I want you to autograph it. I will. <laughs> In a gold gonna, pen. Mariah Carey style. <laughs> I don't think I, I'm going to get a gold pen. Done. Done. Let's Settled. do it. Let's do it. Speaking of gold, 10 karat gold, because that's, that's, that's how we roll. 10 karat gold. <laughs> uh, let's talk about money and friends. Uh, so we got a, a question. Should friends talk about money? What do you, what do you think, my dear? Hmm. So, you know, I was raised that it's never something you talk about. Like with any with anybody or just with friends? With, with anybody that you keep private things private and that money was one of those things that was supposed to be private. So I never talked about money. I never talked about when we didn't have money. I never talked about when we did have money. It was it was in some way related to like presenting a modest front and also never letting anyone inside of your problems. But again, mm, interesting. I, I harp on this a lot because I'm Indian. This is a deeply Indian like sentiment, like hide all of your garbage. Don't mm-hmm. let anyone see your garbage. Mm. Um, so I would say my early, my early twenties, I never did talk about money. And a lot of it sometimes was depending upon who I was hanging out with. There were people who had more money than me, who were making more money than me. 
and I didn't want to look like I didn't measure up. So mm -hmm. I never talked about, I never talked about how much I was making or vice versa. I had friends who weren't doing as well as me and I never wanted to make them feel less than, so I didn't talk about money. And I saw this really interesting meme. I think I shared it. I shared it on my Facebook page, but it was something about how this idea of women not talking about how much they make or how, not even just women, but people not talking about how much they make in a job was, was propagated by corporations so that they wouldn't have to justify to their employees why they are paying people different salaries. So it became this sort of etiquette, this rule of etiquette, but you don't share how much you're making with someone else. That whole etiquette thing gets confusing too, because yeah. etiquette changes, like you were talking about, depending on culture, depending on circumstances of how yeah. you grew up, depending on where you grew up. I mean, I was, I was one of the poor kids in the, in the nice neighborhood. It wasn't like a rich neighborhood, but it was, it was definitely middle-class, upper middle-class. Like it was a nice neighborhood. Yeah. And we were by far the poorest people in the neighborhood. And I always felt like I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. And so I know interacting with friends, you know, all my clothes were hand-me-downs. Yeah. I mean, even when I had to start wearing glasses, I got my older sister's glasses. Yeah. They weren't even the right prescription. <laughs> so, yeah. and I, and I didn't even know I needed glasses. I was just, I was squinting so bad. I couldn't see the board. And finally my teachers approached my, my, my mom really. Um, right. cause my father never talked to the school, but, um, you know, and so I got my sister's glasses, which mildly helped that were, you know, big bottle caps, which but, like, <laughs> hello, hipster. Hello, hipster glasses. I everything have comes back. Everything <laughs> comes back. They were not cool back then, though. Let me tell you, I, I was not cool. But That's so funny. But I never talked about money with friends, other than when I started a small business mm -hmm. in elementary school, drawing pictures and selling them. Oh, you had, were an artist. Yes, an yes. artiste. I was an artiste. It was one of the ways I expressed myself. I, I had a little falling out with a friend who shall remain unnamed at the time about the money because she was keeping the money. And then one it was day Henrietta. It was, it was gone. <laughs> it was Marie Antoinette. <laughs> the money was gone. And for her, she had everything growing up. Right. I had nothing. And so the money was just gone. It had somehow gotten spent and it was no big deal for her. And for me, it was, it was $12. Yeah of selling these pictures for like five and 10 cents. Yeah. And I was devastated. And yeah. so after that, I, similar to you growing up Indian culture, you know, we didn't talk about money with other people, but money was always being talked about inside of our home. Oh yeah. So that gets a little confusing. So I do think that we have to learn how to talk about money with friends, yes. but I think it has to start in the home. Well, you know, you're totally right. I remember when I would hear certain family members talking about money, it was always done like sort of with this braggadocious mm -hmm. kind of energy, right? Because you always have those people who want to show off or, 
There's always that rich cousin. Yeah. (laughs) We all have that rich cousin, which like good for them. But if you're not grounded, you can easily look at someone else's successes as slap slaps in your face. Yeah. And, and that's a thing, that's a thing that can happen. One of the things that really, that really helped me was when friends would talk about how much they were making and when it was considerably more than me, it made me realize I'm undervaluing myself. Mm. So so talking about it actually helped you shift some self-awareness. Oh my God. I remember I was talking to a friend and she was making twice my salary and Mm. she was doing something, maybe I would say a level above what I was doing. And I mean, in terms of like intelligence, we're similar, you know, like I could do her job. She could do my job. You're smart. I I smart. I went to school. I I smart. So I remember sitting there going like, what's, why am I not being more ambitious? Why am Mm. I not stepping out of my comfort zone? If she has the potential to make this salary, why am I, why am I not trying hard enough when it's possible to do this? So for me, when I hear how much money my friends are making, it's not that I get competitive because I'm, I'm not competitive with stuff like that, but I start to ask myself, like, could I be doing, could I be doing more? Is there more out mm-hmm. there for me to be doing where I could be bringing in those kinds of resources to better my life or better my family's life? So I now, if you ask me, I would say, yeah, friends should talk about money. Yeah. Even, even, even being open about how much money you make. Yeah. The other thing is about talking about debt because debt can have so much shame. Yes. And I know that that's a whole other thing. So that kind yes. of gets to another question we received about money related to money and friends. Uh, it's, and I'm just going to read a couple of lines verbatim. It says, One thing that bothers me in my friendships is how financial circumstances limit our ability to bond with each other. As we grow older, have kids, create families, naturally there's less time to get together and keep the bond with friends as strong as it was in the past. Then you add different levels of financial opportunities and the lifestyles that they do or do not offer. It makes it even harder to keep the friendship going. But I think they're just really talking about how money shows up as you get older. We talked a little bit about how we grew up and then you think about how those financial circumstances change Mm -hmm. in relation to friendships as you become an adult. And the whole big thing about becoming an adult (laughs) is being able to make your own choices. Yes. But then you turn 18 and it's not like somebody magically hands you a kit of here's how to be an adult. (laughs) No, God, no. I, most people who are close to me know I was in a lot of ways very sheltered and protected and micromanaged even. Um, And looking back, I can say, yeah, 100%. It was for my own good. And it significantly helped me make good decisions from the get-go. Not everybody has that luxury. Not everyone has that privilege. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have people in your life 
you know, on the brink of adulthood who are guiding and helping you make those decisions, you kind of, you free fall and you're like, okay, I will just listen to what people around me are saying and decide as I go. And that was back during a time when we didn't have, the internet was around, but it wasn't quite as readily available as a tool as it is today. Like today you can teach yourself how to manage money, you know, by watching someone's YouTube video. Like, so if you don't have that access, you get a credit card and you're not thinking about the future and debt starts piling up. That was, that was the story of, I would say most of my friends in mm -hmm. my early twenties. I think people that had more money, like better money habits, or just had parents that talked to them about money. Like I feel yeah. like my friendship with you, your parents instilled the value of saving money and not yeah. spending money you didn't have. And so I remember even when I met you, like, I'm just like with the credit cards going, <laughs> Hey, you yeah. know, uh, let me get some Taco Bell for us or whatever. <laughs> And we're riding around eating Taco Bell. Um, seven oh burritos. my God. May, 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 may they rest in peace. In your seven awesome car. My awesome Honda. I was not a, I wasn't a spendy person. I grew up understanding how important money was as a resource because of course there were many years where we weren't, where we were struggling as a family. And then once my family started becoming more successful, those early lessons that my mom and dad learned about debt, about, you know, not being able to pay your bills, they really drilled that in my brother and I. Mm -hmm. And so it was very much like start an IRA, put your money into savings. Um, don't spend more than you have only spend money on necessities. Like every once in a while, I let myself splurge, but it was only after I was covering all of my expenses. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something like going to the movies was a really big deal. And my friends, we would all get together and go to the movies all the time. And it was like, how much were tickets then? It was like eight fifty dollars or mm -hmm. 10 bucks a ticket. That was an hour of my salary at that time, wherever I was working, like I was mm -hmm. working for a toy store and that was one hour of work. And when you're in college and you're only working a couple of hours, you know, a week because of classes, like there's all your money. There were a lot of times when I had to back out of things like going out to Chili's with a bunch of friends to have dinner or Olive Garden or going to the movies or going to clubs, going to clubs. That was like the big thing you did in your early, early twenties, you'd go out dancing. And you know, if you're going out dancing, you're going to buy drinks. You're probably going to eat out somewhere. That's on the low side. That's maybe a $20 night. Mm -hmm. That was more than I can afford a lot. So I used actually my parents as an excuse why I couldn't go out because I was so ashamed of <laughs> nice. saying I didn't have enough money. I'd be like, oh, I can't, my, I can't leave because, you know, uh, I've, I've got a family thing or my parents are really upset with me. 
I, I use that so many times and people would call me flaky. They'd be like, God, she's so flaky. She says she's going to go. And then at the last minute she bails. And I was the flaky friend because I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I, I remember you not going to like, like begging out of certain things. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was because of that. Yeah. So that's new most information. Yeah. Most of the time it was because of mm-hmm. money because there was such a shame, yeah. shame spiral with being the friend who can't afford anything. And then of course my friends, they're wonderful and they're generous and they'll be like, I got you. And I didn't want to be the mooch. You know, it's interesting that you say that when I was going through this period where I had gotten in over my head in my twenties with credit cards and was trying to pay them off. And I didn't have those resources for a while. I was, I I went from being the, the spend, the, the spend spender to really being thrifty Yeah, and became extremely frugal. Mm -hmm. And I remember during that time, a friend won these tickets that are, they bid on something at an auction and it was a vacation to to London, to Mario Long- London. <laughs> Sorry to my British friends, our British friends. They're crying. Um, <laughs> I know. They're, just, they're crying right now. Mary Poppins is, is <laughs> has, Hello, has forsaken me. <laughs> Hello, governor. Um, <laughs> I actually, I, I'm an Anglophile, so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we went over to London. I had never been there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I love to vacation, try, I live for travel. That's my thing. That's where I like to spend my money is on experiences. I couldn't afford to go. And my friend was like, I got it. I got it. And so we went and it was a short trip. It was, I want to say like four days. Mm-hmm. And then another friend, a mutual friend was like, Hey, I'll come with. And so they came too. And I remember just being going around in London, which is an expensive place. Sure. And they wanted to hear. Yeah. They wanted to eat at restaurants. Mm -hmm. They wanted to see um, uh, a musical, musical theater. And I just, I remember feeling so much shame because this exact thing that this friend just had asked about. um, I just, it was so clear the different lifestyles. Like they had really nice coats. I didn't even have a proper coat. Oh yeah. That was Um, another whole area. Clothing clothing. I didn't even have a proper coat. And they were like, it's fine. We'll pay for it. They must've spent hundreds of dollars covering for me because they did not want to suffer. Miss out. They didn't want me to miss out, but they also, they themselves wanted to have a fun time and they could afford it. And so what I learned from that, while I was ashamed during the trip coming out of that experience, I decided I wanted to pay that forward. Yeah. It was a very formative experience because I realized this is what having means can, can do for you. You can provide yeah. experiences for others. And so I have yeah. paid it forward for other people in different ways. And I had a friend early on when I also didn't have money who paid for me to take a trip and bought me mm-hmm. a plane ticket so that I could see a friend. And, and so those kinds of experiences really have shaped I think my generosity and I've become, I am a generous person. And if I have the means, I will give it to a friend without even hesitation. It's, um, it's definitely one of those, one of those things I remember about feeling indebted to friends. There's this, this word that haunts me, which is like burden. 
Mm. I never wanted to be the burden in the collective friendship, you know, within my group of friends, like, oh, Amy can never afford it. Or like, if we were going to a really nice, nice place, and I didn't have clothes for that, I knew it would mean I'm going to have to go shopping to get something to wear to go to this place. Mm-hmm. so that I don't feel less than anyone. Right. So a lot of times when you feel that pressure and you know you can't you can't afford it, you do bow out. But then you if you're lucky, you have friends who genuinely want to help you enjoy the experience and it's nothing for them to help you. So they do. Mhm. And I had a really hard time receiving. This kind of goes back to some of the work that I did in therapy. I really struggled with feeling like a burden a lot because of all of this less than stuff. And I did a lot of work on, okay, how do I receive? How do I receive generosity from people who care and love love me? Mm -hmm. And I think once I did that work, it really opened some things up for me and I was able to enjoy myself more. So what I ended up doing was if somebody did something nice for me that I couldn't repay in kind, I would do something to thank them. And one of the things I love doing for friends is cooking for them. Mm, so you're good go at that. Out, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's fun for me. So if we're all at a restaurant and everyone's ordering like really crazy fun dishes. And I'm just like, I can't afford anything here. I just get myself a small appetizer or I eat before I go. My friends know this about me. And then they'll be like, stop it. I got it. I know like money is tight right now. I just want you to enjoy. So they cover my bill. And then a week later or whenever I'll invite them over to my home. And I'll say, let me cook for you. Let me spend quality time with you. And that's kind of how I floated in that world until I was able to do those things. Mm -hmm. So inviting people over to my family's home for dinner, that was my way of saying like, okay, I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of money and, you know, go on spring break trips with you or, you know, do a road trip here or go to this really amazing restaurant or go mm-hmm. to this concert. Oh my God, concerts were never a thing I was really able to do because they were expensive. I know, I know. So I, I did what I could with what I had. And if it, to me, it was like, it has to be about showing gratitude and spending quality time. It can't be about matching what that person can do. Well, in so many ways, and, and I think it goes back to where we started with these questions, which is that, friends need to talk about money. And if we're talking about money and we're also talking about, let's just use the word love languages. Yes. How do we give and receive? That doesn't just apply for romantic relationships. It applies for friendships. It applies for colleagues. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they, they talk about the languages of appreciation and gratitude and knowing how people receive and how they give so that you can know that this person, because you could be giving in that way, Mm -hmm. but if a person doesn't receive in that way, they may not be looking at, wow, this friend really appreciates what I do. But if you talk about it and you communicate it, then it takes the elephant out of the room. It kind of goes back to 
it's true that it's the thought that counts, but if that person doesn't know that that's what you're thinking, then yeah. there's going to be a total miss. I remember, you know, going out to dinner with a group of friends and I'm a vegetarian mm-hmm. and I don't drink. Yeah. And so my bill, so to speak, my portion of the meal is almost always significantly smaller than everybody else's. And I just remember being in these situations when I grow up with a group of friends and they just be like, split the bill. And of course I would just immediately feel like that's unfair Yeah, because they're ordering martinis or wines or whatever. And I'm just like, I didn't order any of that. And so I have become very cognizant when it comes to friendships of being like, what's fair? Do you want to split the bill? How much do you want to pay? You know, and just have that communication, have that conversation. It comes to really understanding what level of intimacy you have in friendships. Again, when there's shame about your circumstances, it becomes really difficult to be honest and kind of just say how it is. Once you deal with the fact like, okay, I'm in this situation right now. I'm struggling with money. Uh, That does not mean that I'm less valuable or that I have less value or that my feelings and opinions and my place in this relationship is less. So when you start to find kind of strength in your story, like, Hey, I'm struggling right now and I can't afford all of this right now, but a year from now I might be doing amazing, Mm -hmm. but I have to honor where I am now. So if you are able to kind of hold that and feel really grounded in that, it becomes a lot easier to sit, to say like, Hey, I would really love to go to these places with you. Unfortunately, right now, it's not something I'm able to do. However, would you be open to maybe like coming over and hanging out? We could like, Mm -hmm. you know, we could cook, cook a meal together and, and watch a movie or, you know, play cards against humanity or, you know, something, something that is low key and not cost prohibitive. And it's amazing how people respond. People are like, oh my God, yeah, I totally understand that. Actually, I went through something like that similar a few years back where I couldn't do a lot of, a lot of stuff. So yeah, we'll totally do things on your terms. When you take the shame out of your financial situation and you stand in sort of this place of power about like, hey, this is just part of my story right now. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of debt and I have one of those phrases that really helped me was making it a choice. I have limited funds and I'm choosing to pay down my debt mm-hmm. rather than choosing to spend it on experiences. Mm-hmm. So this gets kind of to the next question, which is how you navigate or approach a friend when you perceive that that friendship is changing. Mm. Because I think, you know, we've experienced this ourselves in our own friendship where sure. we've, we've been close, we've been in our day-to-day lives. And then there's times when we've come apart and I don't necessarily think we handled that the best way possible, but I think we have learned better ways to handle things like that. We were 20s. babies. We were babies. We were babies. In our 20s. But, yeah. um, but I think that makes us more equipped to kind of handle this situation. And I think it gets to what you're talking about where when you don't communicate, when you don't have those conversations, those clarifying conversations, even like how we were talking about your experience of 
of people saying that you're the flaky friend, but what mm-hmm. was really going on for you was these financial considerations and shame. Yeah. And if people don't know that, if they don't have that information, they may perceive she doesn't like me. Yeah. She doesn't want to hang out with me, but they have yeah. no idea what's really going on. And I was fine with that. That was better than them knowing I didn't have money. Yeah. It was better that they think, oh, I'm just a crappy friend then know that I couldn't afford it. I think it goes back to like, you just, you don't know what you don't know. Right. You don't know that you don't know it. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have the conversation, if you don't ask, and it's sometimes just plain and simple asking with vulnerability, like yeah. saying, I'm feeling confused or whatever's true for you at the time, I'm feeling sad. I miss you. I haven't seen you in a while. I miss you is one of those statements that can just bring it right home. Like, Oh yeah. It's not accusatory, right? It cuts through everything and it goes straight to the source. Like, why is this happening? I miss you so much. Yeah. It did. Did something happen that I'm not aware of? Yeah. I I, I just want an opportunity to have that conversation because you just don't know what could have happened. Right. It could have been a situation that is shame that there's shame around or there's yeah. confusion. It may have nothing to do with you. Yeah. It's hard to sometimes when you feel like you're put on the spot. So one of those things that can be really helpful is saying, you know, I don't know if I'm ready to answer this question right now. Can you give me some time to really mm to really think about how I want to talk about this. I yeah. do want to talk about it. I'm not ready to talk about it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, just kind of putting that out can diffuse the tension. Yeah. Just a few levels, like, and diffuse the anxiety. Because a I... lot of times people aren't great at being questioned right away. And I'm one of those people, like sometimes it takes, sometimes I can talk about it right away. Sometimes I really need to ground and be quiet and really think like, okay, what do I want the goal of this? What do I want the outcome of this conversation to be? Do I want us to heal? Do I want us to bridge the gap? Do I want us to be closer? Or am I so grieved by whatever has happened that I no longer feel connected to this situation? I think that's so important what you're talking about to reflect, spend that time in reflection and think about what does this relationship mean to me? What does this friendship mean to me? Um, you know, that last question about changing circumstances. I mean, I've gone through that. You, you know, mm-hmm. you've gone through it. I mean, when I got married, my relationships, my friendships changed dramatically overnight. Yeah. Where suddenly I got put in this category of of the married friend. Right. And I didn't realize how many friends I had that were that were unattached. Mm-hmm. in that way. And, um, people just put me on a shelf and assumed that she's, she's spoken for, she's happy and, and everything's good. And of course oh, things, yeah. things weren't good. Things weren't happy. <laughs> there were happy moments, but sure. you know, and now coming out of that, I, I would say I'm, I'm now sort of waking up to, okay, well, who are my friends? What are the mm-hmm. friendships I really value? And the reality is a lot of those friendships that really, really matter continued, even if they were in the background, maybe the volume was less, the frequency was less, but those friendships 
never went away because I think there was some level of communication that was still happening. There was some explanation like what you're talking about, like, this is what I'm going through right now. I don't have as much time because I have this going on, but I really want to see you. There was an effort that was made. Right. It's so true. I mean, I've been on both sides of it. I've been on the side where I'm a single friend and my friend gets into a relationship and then they're gone. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just feel like, well, I guess they found their person. I was their person and now they have another person. They have a shiny new thing yeah. and they're gone. And I always hated that in my 20s. Yeah. It always felt like whenever one of my female friends got a boyfriend, they just disappeared. And of yeah. course I was single you know, most of the time in my yeah. adult life, I've been, I, most of it's been single. And I always felt like, oh, I was that single independent friend, but yes. I always prided myself on being like the best third wheel ever. <laughs> yes. I was often that extra spare, you know, in a lot yeah. of my friends' relationships. And now I'm on the other side where yeah. I'm in a relationship and a lot of my friends who were in relationships are now becoming single. It's this very strange sort of like dynamic. It's like, oh, what? I get, I get it. I get someone. And now everyone is like, no, it's cooler to be alone. (laughs) Why am I never (laughs) in the right place at the right time? (laughs) I would say that, you know, you, you actually have the self-awareness. You've done the work. You are now coming into relationship at the right time in your life where I think if anything, people envy your relationship and the connection that you have. As they should. No, as they should (laughs) bow down to Amy. I paid my dues. All right. I paid my dues. I took my time. I did really hard work. I, everything I have, I have earned. I'm not saying I don't have, there hasn't been luck involved. Of course, Mm. certainly there's been luck involved, but you know, then you have those friends who sit in their negativity. Ooh, that's the next question. Yeah. Good transition. See, I'm learning guys. I'm learning. (laughs) Hey, look at you mastering the transitions. So what do you do when you have a friend who is drowning in negativity? That was a question we got. Well, so let's just, let's just be honest. Have we, have you ever been that friend? Have you ever felt like you were that person who was drowning in negativity? I know I have been. Let's be honest. We all have at some point in our life. Of course. I have been that person who's just stuck in my own pity party and I feel like the world's against me. And it's a really dark, lonely place. And sometimes you just want everyone to be down there with you miserable because then, you know, like you're not alone. Right. You don't feel alone. You just, it's that commiseration party. But you can't really expect people to stay there with you forever. Eventually people want to feel good again and they want you to feel good again. So I am all about like sit in the dumps with someone, sit in the mud with someone. If they're feeling like everything sucks. Yeah. You sit with them and you'll be like, yeah, you know what? Everything does suck. Let's talk about all the things that suck. And you process that completely. And then you go, okay, if everything sucks, what does that mean? Maybe it means that the only way to go is up. Yeah. I mean, that's really the heart of 
empathy, right? The willingness to sit with somebody. But I think there's also, I think sometimes people are more predispositioned toward negativity. Pessimism. Yeah. Pessimism. There's people. Cynicism. Yeah. Put it in the plain language, lady. Yes. Some people are more like glass half full yeah. and some are glass half empty. I am a glass half full girl. 100%. I'm glad to have a glass, you guys. Like, I'm just happy that there's a glass. And so all. I know sometimes I've had to ratchet myself back because there is the toxic positivity, right? I don't think I am that, but I think because I'm always like, let's get out of this hole. Let me help you. Let me help. Yeah. I want to fix it. I'm a fixer. Let me pull yeah. you out of this hole. So there's, I think, cycles, right? You know, just like there's seasonal affective disorder. Yeah. People go through seasons and they're just miserable. Uh, I have those sometimes. I have periods of time where I feel very expansionary and everything's growing and getting bigger and more awesome and more exciting. And then I have contractionary people periods where I feel like everything is getting smaller and I'm starting to see more of the difficulties and more of the issues that are happening. And like that, the, these last, I would say four or five months have been deeply contractionary for me mm. because I've, while I've had all of these wonderful things happen, I've also felt like everything has sucked. <laughs> I have definitely felt yeah. like, oh, everything is so hard. And what you have to know about yourself is what is your pattern? Is your pattern that you get down and you stay down? Mm-hmm. Or is your pattern that you get down and then you get fed up with being there and then you jump out of it? And that's me. I'm one of those mm-hmm. people where I can, I can stay down for a while and I'm perfectly fine with it because I know there's going to be a jump. You know you're going to come out of it. I know and I I'm think, going to come out of it. And I think the friends who know you, like your close friends anyways, know that about you. And so I think when you're in the dumps, yeah. they know that it's okay to, it's okay to be in the dumps with you. But I know yeah. I'm one of those friends who I'll be validating you. But at the same time, I'll be like, you know you you got to change your outlook on this at some point. And then I hang up on you. And then you hang up on me. <laughs> and you're like, dang it. Um, oh, yeah. The but truth, I do, right? The, the truth. Like, will do you want to hear free. the truth? Yeah. But yeah. I do think that, that there's something in calling it. It's like you just got to say the elephant in the room yeah. and say, you got to be really careful because yeah. we have so much conditioning, right? Yeah that that we are dealing with with other people so the less accusative the language the better but i think just going to a friend and saying i've been noticing that you're focusing a lot on what's wrong with your life as opposed mm-hmm. to what's right with your life and so i see a lot of good for you right now and i feel like i'm trying to give you that that silver lining and you're not taking it so i'm just i'm not sure how to be the supportive friend to you in this moment can you please you know and and it sometimes feels like you're committed mm-hmm. to staying in this ditch and i just need you to know you're in a ditch right now you're not on the road moving somewhere now right. some friends may be really upset if you say something like that but i think most people will respect yeah. that the honesty the audacity of authenticity that's offered in a sentiment like that yeah 
I know I've had friendships where, again, and I think we talked about this a little bit in the hero episode, superhero episode, but I've definitely had friendships where I'm friends with someone who's more on the depressive side. Mm-hmm. And the cheerleader in me, the, the, the quote unquote savior complex that I have where I want to always be with that person, helping them, helping them, helping them, right? That can become a dream. So you have to know how much you can comfortably handle. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? it maybe might not be the healthiest thing for me to spend this much time around this person. Mm -hmm. I have to set my own personal boundaries (laughs) around my time with this person. And it's not even a conversation you have necessarily with that person. It may be, it may be just taking some space for yourself just to make sure that you're taking care of your own mental health. Yeah. And that's, it's really tough. I think at the end of the day, most people better their lives because of something within them that unlocks. And you can't, as a friend, always be the catalyst that unlocks that for that person. You can certainly sit with them while they're figuring it out. But if they're not trying to figure it out and they don't want to get better, if there's no desire to get better, then you have to ask yourself, what is your actual purpose in this relationship? Hmm. Making it real there, lady. I won't do that again. I'm sorry. (laughs) I take it all back. We're all actually just in the Jeep with Cher in Clueless, riding (laughs) along, bantering. Yes. Yes. On the highway. On the highway. And there's a giant semi. (laughs) And I feel like I might die. (laughs) Well, I, I guess we can't get through this conversation without talking about the, the big elephant in society, which is COVID. And oh. I think there's a couple questions we've gotten around COVID, one being um, differing views about COVID, one being how to stay connected with people during the holidays with, you know, this pandemic that's going on. Yeah. I mean, I definitely look at this as this is a unique time in history. And Mm -hmm. and so I think sometimes people get so fixated. And I think this comes down to when, even what we were just talking about with the negativity, when people get so focused on what's wrong, that they miss what's possible or, or what can't happen, that they miss what can happen. Yeah. I'm a what can happen. I'm a what's possible person. I'm not saying I don't get depressed. I have my moments where I'm a puddle of tears, but I come out of that. I always come out of that. And I think that's where my strength is, is in that just that belief and that hope. Right. So even now with COVID and the pandemic and everything, I think there are so many different ways to connect with people. And I do think this whole thing is changing how people relate because, hey, there's people who are like, why are you wearing a mask? For me, it's care and concern. If it's a difference, if it's a matter of you're just, it's overkill what you're doing and it ends up, and it ended up not being necessary. What have I lost by Mm -hmm. doing it? You know, what have I lost by doing it? And what could you lose by not doing it? Right. Right. If it means you look a little extra, who cares? Mm-hmm. Look a little extra. And I have friends who I know 
believe that COVID-19 is something that is energetic more than it is biological. Like uh, that they believe like if your energy, if you hold your energy in a certain place, this illness will not affect you, right? Mm -hmm. And as a result, they don't wear masks and they don't really practice the social distancing and all of that. From what I know about energy, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an expert on this at all, but from what I know about energy, I know anytime you have arrogance mm-hmm. about anything, you are yeah. about to get schooled hard. Yeah, the universe, I, I believe that there's a cause and effect in the universe. It's yeah. not so much punishment or reward. Yeah. It's cause and effect. And yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And so if things are out of balance, yeah. there has to be a counteraction to yeah. bring things back into balance. That There's always this sort of cosmic... Mm-hmm. rebalancing that's happening in our individual lives, in our world. And so I think patience, care, concern, gratitude, all of that is really helpful. There are ways to stay connected beyond, I mean, I'll be honest, the first time I saw you here on you know Zoom and we were able to talk live, it did wonders for me yeah. to just be able to talk live with you. And when I'm able to yeah. connect in that kind of way, and I know a lot of us are tired from doing those video chats for meetings with coworkers. But if, but if all you're doing them, if you're only doing them with coworkers, it's kind of <laughs> like just going to work all the time and not having that same FaceTime with friends and family. You're going to suffer. Right. I mean, what was a, I mean, there used to be a time, believe it or not, people, there used to be a time when we would talk on the phone for hours You'd pick mm-hmm. up the phone at like 1030 at night when you knew your bestie was probably winding down and you would unpack your entire week and you'd be up on the phone <laughs> until 1am. Right. And that was, that was so rich. There was such richness in those experiences. And now we're going through this period of time where we're having to strengthen other skills that we haven't used in a mm-hmm. long time. I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing to strengthen unused muscles. What's the harm in taking some time off and seeing if you can develop intimacy in another way? Mm -hmm. It'll only help us, I think, going forward. We now know what we don't need. And if it gives you an opportunity to assert for yourself what's important to you. Like we're all being asked that, right? We're all being asked to examine like, what is the most important thing to us? This disease, this illness has really, I think, highlighted that. It really is kind of a deep dive into your, your values. What are your values? And yeah. you're fine. We're finding maybe our values aren't all the same. You know, we thought we knew people and now we're finding out, well, maybe we don't have the same values. Yeah. And it's, and it's actually in some cases, I mean, it may be leading people away from each other, but in other cases, it may actually be leading to conversations that didn't happen before to creating um, some empathy and understanding to just going, well, I noticed that you're doing this. Can you tell me more about why can I I just want to understand why you feel that way? And you can have those conversations without 
attacking somebody or feeling attacked by, by, by the way, like not everything someone says has exactly something to do with you. Yeah. And I think we miss that sometimes. I mean, the essence, when I think about friendship, I think this is a person who is, who is for me. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they agree with me a hundred percent of the time, but they are for me. They are, they are not going to come back and, you know, do something to deceive me in a, they don't have the intent to hurt or harm me. They now, celebrate are they gonna, your happiness. Yes. Could something happen? Could a misunderstanding happen? Absolutely. Sure. But, you know, I think in the same way we've been able to always come back together, it's, it's, I know that you're for me. Yeah. You're for me at the end of the day. And you know that I'm always been for you. And so you know, I know that there's a lot of things that can happen with friendship over the years, but hopefully our story helps other people to see what's possible. Yeah. It's, it's hard to have long lasting, intimate friendships with people when you don't lean into vulnerability and you Mm -hmm. don't really hold the fact that you may have shame, you know, like, with the money stuff, like you have to just stand in your power. You have to just be okay saying, this is where I am right now. And you have to be okay saying, this is how I'm feeling right now with, with all the things. All the things. Yeah. The more authentic you are with yourself, the more authentic you can be in your friendships and relationships. And it also helps to have blackmail on them. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Which I do. Uh oh. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you for the conversation, my friend. Love you. Love you.